for all of your TNA needs, head to tensandaces.com. Are you serious about becoming a Blackjack Advantage player? If that's your plan, then listen to the real pros first. They will tell you to test out and hone your skills before risking your starting bankroll. Check out the Advantage Player Refinement Program, offered exclusively by Archimedes21.com. The A21 APRP will tell you if you're ready. Until then, look into becoming an investor in Archimedes21 and start earning right away. Wikipedia is the best thing ever. Anyone in the world can write anything they want about any subject. So you know you are getting the best possible information. <laughs> One of these losers in Las Vegas who keeps thinking he's going to come up with a way to win at Blackjack. Are you ready for some TNA? Welcome to TNA. The Tens and Aces Podcast, a podcast with true-to-life stories and experiences from advantaged players in the game of blackjack. From pros crushing it and making a living counting cards, to newer players who are just making their way through all the ups and downs of what can be, at times, both an equally frustrating and beautiful game of AP Blackjack. Is this the kind of thing you want to hear? Well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. Here's your host... Mike AP. And welcome to the show today. As the man just said, I'm your host of this transmission of our experiment in imaginary radio that we like to call TNA, the Tens and Aces podcast. So if this is the kind of thing you want to hear, well, listen up because we're about to give you some TNA. So with me today is an AP named Ghost. So how's it going, man? Hey, Mike. Thanks, you bet. So, uh, how about a little uh, origin story for the listeners who may not know you? Yeah, absolutely. So, I was born. I'm born in the Northeast, raised in the Northeast, lived there my whole life. Can you hear that? Oh yeah, Red Sox so, fan. Uh, oh yeah, I love the Sox. I'm more of a Bruins guy. I play hockey. Still play hockey. You know, mm-hmm. I bleed black and gold. Love it. Boston College. Are you a Boston yeah. College fan? Matter of fact, you know, I spent a lot of Friday nights at the at the county forum, and uh, you know, I would watch the the college hockey games and. Uh, you know, just have big dreams of, you know, somehow, some way, like, making it to the NHL one day. But then, you know, uh, you know, life hits you and, you know, things take weird turns. So most most of most of the reason was, uh, you know, my genetics kind of capped me out a little low. So, you know, most D1 and uh, D1 and NHL hockey clubs are looking for, you know, six feet. And, uh, you know, I didn't make that cut. So Right. Anyway, so back to blackjack. So yeah. what got you started in your blackjack journey? All right. So I had no gambling experience, casino gambling experience until about the age of 35. I had done like a quick degen with sports betting in my early 20s, betting baseball and football. And, you know, I lost my paycheck every week, but I know my head. And after a while, I was like, you know, this sucks. I was like, I'm all set. And I, I walked away from it and I was like, you know, you know, gambling is easily the dumbest thing going out there. And right. I had no interest in playing in casinos. Uh, if I was at a casino, it was to get handed with my friends. Um, but the age of 35, my, uh, my girlfriend, she decided to take me on like a, uh, you know, a rest, a rest and relaxation weekend sure. down at a local tribal. And, um, I, we were walking, we were walking through the casino and I looked over at the blackjack table. I was like, that looks fun, but I really don't know what's going on over there. So I don't want to sit down, look like an idiot, lose a ton of money, 
you know, mm. get yelled at by some drunk guy and not know how to play the game. And she was like, hey, babe, well, you know, we should come back and you should play. And I gave it some thought and I was like, you know what, you're right. I'm going to do it. So I started looking up basic strategy on the internet and started going over basic strategy. And, uh, you know, I had, I think, 90% of it down by my, by my next trip. And uh, I sat down with $500 and I back quarters and I got smoked probably an hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was terrible. I was upset. I was asking the dealer a lot, like, hey, what should I do here? Uh, even though I knew what the basic strategy was, I started thinking that maybe he knew better because I wasn't winning. Yeah. This is all stuff that I see now in the casinos. And I'm like, I remember this guy. This was me, you know? Um, right. So that's how I try to, grab some peace while getting annoyed with the floppies at the table because once upon a time that was me. Or the dealer oh. the or the dealer that keeps insisting that they know better because they've been dealing for twenty years. Oh uh, yeah. Whatever um, ploppy strategy that they that they decide is the right like day on my sixteens. Or I always you know, I don't hit twelves because blah 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 blah. It's ridiculous what a dealer will say to you that they claim out of experience that they've seen it all. Mm -hmm. If you know everything about this game why aren't you with this out of the table and why are you still pitching cards yeah you know? it's, it's really difficult because they're in a quasi position of authority and sometimes it's really difficult for me to keep my mouth shut but it's yeah, it's obnoxious it's, 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 it's obnoxious when you're hearing bad advice and they jam and advice down plays throats or they're eye rolling at people that don't exactly know what they're doing uh but i you know i i'm friendly with dealers i i have a a policy that I do not give advice to the table. If I, if someone directly asks me for advice, I give them a wishy-washy answer. Yeah. So that way it doesn't sound like I know what I'm talking about and both answers are right. You know? Right. And I always, I always say, and your results may vary. I was like, this is just what I would do, but I don't know. Like I give them a warning that because I'm telling you what I would do doesn't mean you're going to win. I know a guy who does the exact, he gives wrong advice on purposely quit asking him. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, you definitely want to hit that 16 against your six, definitely. Right. Well, yeah, go for it. You know, it adds to that, you know, reckless gambler type of look that you're going for in there. You know, try right. to stay under the cover of looking dumb. Like, you're here to gamble, right? Right. <laughs> you know, when I'm, when I'm doubling a, a soft 20, I get yeah. an ace nine and I'm pushing a stack out there and I already got a fall stack and I'm looking around, I'm like, I'm here to gamble. You know, people, there's a 20, you know, so. Like, it's a 10 to me. Right. <laughs> no, Pitbloss actually said that to me one day. You know, he was sniffing around my table and he knew I was that impressive. And, uh, I, I was, uh, dealt an ace nine and he comes over. And uh, he goes, what's the matter? You know that's a 10 to you. So <laughs> he was trying to give me a little jab scare in there to get me out of there. But, mm -hmm. you know, he's just playing so, a little slap and tickle, you know? Yeah, he wanted to let you know that he knew what was going on. That Yeah. He was you know, a big he started boss. talking to some other player at the table that he's a card counter. And, you know, <laughs> basically, you know, indirectly just talking to me. Yeah. Yeah, funny part about that is, you know, he didn't back me off that session or the two sessions after that. Maybe he really was a card counter. So as long as yeah. he wasn't going to get in trouble at his job, he probably just uh, went with it. Yeah, when you get a floor talking about card counting, you know, even if they're trying to, you know, be easy about it, like it's all good, they're frenemies, you know? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, man, you might think that, you know, we're like secretly in the same club, but you're on the other side of the table. But, you know, um, unless we're out of work or something, you're out of work and we're meeting up someplace, you know, you're suspect. I don't want to hear you talking about card 
contact them. Yeah, most won't. Right. I've heard ploppies ask them about card counting before, ask a dealer about it. Most of them say, oh, we don't get many of them or something like that. Or, you know, they ask random questions. You know, I got backed off by a guy last month. So I was dealt and he tried to stop the rounds and the round came out and he's like, no, 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 stop, stop. So I ended up playing out the round and finally I pulled my chips back and I'm like, hey, he goes, you know what this is? I'm like, no, what's going on? He goes, come for a second. He goes, hey, listen, I'm going to have to ask you not to play blackjack anymore. Um, I need you to cash out. It's all good. No one's going to give you any problems. I promise. He goes, I count cards too. I do what you do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, um, all right. And he goes, so, you know, surveillance is watching you. Uh, I just want to let you know. Uh, I go, so you want me to leave the property? And he was like, ah, yeah, you got to leave the property. <laughs> I was like, all right, man, cool. Nice meeting you. You know, so it's right back to that friend of me thing. Like, yeah, you backed me up and wanted to let me know how cool he was that he could do what I do, but then, you know, evicted me from the property. Yeah, which is more, which is more than even some asshole back offs might do. Yeah. Um, unless you get 86, that's a whole different story, but yeah. But here's yeah. the thing I wasn't 86. Right. It was a back exactly. off, but he didn't give me the, oh, go ahead and knock yourself out doing whatever else you want. Just no blackjack. He was like, you got to leave the property. Wow. Maybe but, he, maybe he was doing you a solid so he didn't have to trespass you. In his you. defense, uh, you know, I was up a fair amount of money and one of my teammates had just smoked the other side of the pit and they may have been tying us together or they may have just looked at their swing shit bottom line <laughs> yeah. and decided that, all right, he's got to go to. Right, right. So I could have gone to direct me from my teammate where they just made the decision like, oh, he's got to get out of there. So. <laughs> that's that's uh you never know what these people what they're thinking really no i try not to think too hard into it either you never know who's watching you so i don't know just for peace of mind i just always picture something stupid up there watching it you know right and then if someone comes down and asks me it's it is what it is and i just keep it moving right and no sense arguing and pushing back much or no, playing I'm extra dumb any of that I'm very polite very unmemorable you know i want to slip out and you know Six months later, you're not going to remember me. So why exactly. would I? The only time I could see myself going over the top is if I was, you know, getting my head split open and someone came in and aggressively backed me off. Maybe then, you no, know, or I wouldn't be as friendly. But or maybe a cat refusal uh, cash out or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I try not to get in too many uh, risky interactions with the cage. I would rather just walk with the chips than um, right. take my chance at the cage if I can. Obviously, the situations where cash out at the cage, leaving is your only option. Mm-hmm. But if there's another option, like walk with the chip and figure it out, I try to figure it out. Yeah, especially if you're going to be in that market for another day or two, you can come back in a couple of days. Exactly. Right. And I can always dish the chips off to someone else and they sure. can use them, whatever. You, you know the deal. So there's many different things you can do with chips. You don't immediately have to run to the cage to cash out. Yeah, I was refused the cash out the other day. The, the the cashier said, oh, there's a new state law as of two months ago that everybody has to show ID. It's like, no, there's not. It's like, well, I don't have my ID, so I'm going to go to the car and get my ID. And I'll be, I'll be back and grab my chips and left. Somebody saw my post on BGA about that. They said they're coming in town. They bought my chips. So it's all good. It just really goes into the power of networking. Oh yeah. You know, it's everything. I, uh, I had a cash out issue. Um, I had a, I had a decent win at this property and it was under 10K, but not much under 10K. 
Mm-hmm. So I go to the least popular window in the poker room and give them my chips and they want ID. I was expecting that they were going to want ID. So I drew the line in the sand and I said, I don't have an ID. Um, what can we do here? I was like, I don't need to give you ID, right? I was, to my knowledge, $10,000 is the legal threshold for showing your ID for mm-hmm. the CPR. And um, he said that it was a policy of the property. It was an internal policy, which, you know, $2,500, $3,500 is pretty much standard where right. they start asking for ID. Asking, not demand. Yes, exactly. Uh, so it escalated to a demand ID, and I had managers coming from the back. And I started getting a little annoyed with myself that I put myself in that position because I realized that I was definitely experiencing more exposure than I was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I had already put my line in the sand right, and right. I wanted my money. So one thing leads to another, and I'm just, you know, small talking with the manager while they're trying to figure out, you know, they have to call the president of the United States, figure out what they're going to do with yeah, right. my chips out. You know, so they were on hold with the White House and I'm talking to the manager. And I was like, I just don't understand the idea behind not IDing me coming in through the door. Don't ask my ID when I'm buying chips at the table. Don't mm-hmm. ask for my ID when you're serving me alcohol, but I'm here for a half hour trying to cash out some winnings. I came to the casino and won, which usually doesn't happen, and I win, and you won't give me the money. I go, can you please make sense of this for me? And they're all dumbfounded. They have no idea other than, no, you just need ID. Right. Long story short, they ended up cashing me out. That was it. I had to uh, go get verification pit, and, you know, the pit boss rolled his eyes because he knew he was in trouble. He had done something out of protocol. So I ended up getting cashed out and, you know, I went to fight another day there. But they made you go get verification from the pit? Or? Yeah. Yeah. They were pretty annoyed with me. I was That's holding cool. up, I was holding up lines. I was, you know, they were holding trying, up the line. I was trying, yeah. I was, I was trying to, uh, you know, have a conversation with them about how insane this sounds if we really talk through it uh-huh. that I'm being held up at the cash jail like that. So <laughs> yeah. I hate when they when they treat us like our time is valuable. They right. Make you stand there 45 minutes, an hour. Like you're right. literally under arrest by the right. cash cash. Right. Or worst case scenario is when they have your chips and we'll give them back to you. Yeah. I've heard plenty of stories and that sounds like an absolute nightmare that I'd probably try to be like wiggling through the little hole trying to get back there. You know, some people just get there chips taken like no we'll give you a receipt for them sometimes they don't even give you a receipt they just like figure it out that's when you need to say at least call your wife or something or a buddy and pretend that it's your lawyer right i heard that was that burning down the house he was doing that oh yeah that was a good move. Yes, he, in his case, it was just inadvertently. He was just literally talking to his wife, and they like, who are, you, "Who are you talking to?" Because he was saying stuff that he knew what to say, and they and it wasn't nothing that his wife was telling him. But they they got all paranoid. You say stuff like, uh, "I want a preservation of all the evidence and all the video from uh, the this hour to that hour to whenever this ends," and say stuff like that. You know? Uh, yeah, they're not ready for that. And then they're like, well, this guy knows what he's talking about, or he's talking to somebody, and then their tune changes most of the time, not always. Sometimes well, I think they they're... know they're skirting the line and they're bullshitting their customers. And it must work with most people. Yeah, absolutely. And they know why you don't want to give up ideas. Right. Anyway, I think I interrupted your, your origin story again. Okay. So, uh, so you... yeah, go ahead. Okay. So after, after I took my first $500 loss while on a date night with my wife, I had this crazy idea to look into card counting. Uh, my anyone that I told that I was looking in the card counting 
girlfriends, my friends, family. I basically got laughed at. You're insane. You know, you hear the typical, isn't that illegal? Don't you have to be a genius? Yeah. People that know me know I'm not a mathematical guy whatsoever. Uh, I, I do work in the trades, so I am very good at fractional math because I can read a tape measure, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, but, you know, I told myself that this is something that I want to conquer. I do not want to walk into the casino with a negative expectation if I can help it. So I got down to business, and that first order of business was I picked up a copy of Beat the Dealer by Ed Thorpe, and I read that and found out that it was a nice timepiece, but that wasn't going to get me to the promise. Uh, I also ordered... Uh, Playing Blackjack as a business by Uncle Lawrence Rivera. Mm-hmm. Right after I saw the Tommy Highland breaking Vegas, which I was watching on a loop like every day. <laughs> Not the Tommy Highland episode, but I still like Tommy Highland, Ed Thorpe, Ken Houston, you know, and I just watch them all in succession like, every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I was starting to get the bug. Were people worried about you and your life because of your previous history with losing your paychecks uh, doing sports betting, like you were saying? No, because that never got blown up. That was never like a family issue. No one had an intervention that that was a problem. I literally just, you know, lost my paycheck every week for about six months. Got a little over my head, had to work something out with the book. He just the chip, you know, just chip yeah. away at what I owed him. It, it didn't turn into anything enormous that I had to seek help or anything like that. Right. Okay. I was um, just curious. Yeah. But, you know, people were concerned. They're like, what do you mean? Like, you're going to start counting cards and spending more time at the casino? Because it wasn't me. Now's a good time to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Colin from blackjackapprenticeship.com and if you're serious about card counting, I'd encourage you to check out the Blackjack Apprenticeship membership. It has the training tools you'll need to beat the game like our comprehensive video course and our training suite so you can learn each skill and virtually test yourself before ever stepping foot in a casino. It also includes the tools you'll need to succeed like our pro betting software, casino database, results tracking software, and access to a community of like-minded advantage players to network with in our members forum and chat room software. You can find out more at blackjackapprenticeship.com. What is Budweiser? It's bright, the look of perfection. It's crisp with ideal flavor. It's clean for a great finish. It's pure made with the finest all-natural ingredients. It's the smooth, flavorable result of beechwood aging. Bright, crisp, clean, pure. This is Budweiser. This is beer. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can reach us on our website at tensinaces.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail at area code 518-289-0478. That's 518-289-0478. And if you still haven't gotten enough TNA, you can email us at tensinaces21 at gmail.com. That's tensinaces, the number 21, at gmail.com. And now we're back with today's guest, Blackjack Player Ghost. So I stumbled upon DJA on the internet and decided to sign up for the beginner's package. And it was the old dusty course that Ben and Colin did in the mm-hmm. basement. It was like just post church team, some real rustic stuff. Yeah. And 
So I began watching all those videos on Loop. I got involved in that forum. By involved, I mean just reading all the posts. I'm not much of a poster. Hmm. And uh, that's when I began training. So I like immersed myself in black tech culture. And I started living the black tech life. Every day I was training on my phone. I'd come home from work and I'd counting down eight tech shoes. Like I said, I was watching the BJA videos on Loop. I would search the internet. I would read forums on anything pertaining to blackjack. The good thing about signing up for the blackjack apprenticeship membership was once I started reading the forum, I started picking up authors' names that were reputable. Because right. I was blind before I would have beat the deal, you know, just because isn't that how you beat blackjack? Yeah, that's and, a good read, but it's just out of date. Yeah, um, no, I, I think every guy interested in blackjack should have it, but it wasn't relative to my goal at that point. Right. You know? Uh, I, so I read everything I get my hands on early on. You know, I picked up Wong, Professional Blackjack, Snyder, Black, Black Belted Blackjack. Both good books. Yeah. Ian Anderson, Burning the Tables and Turning the Tables in Las Vegas. Yep. You know, they're all, you know, absolute must-haves for people getting into the trade. Absolutely. Uh, the fu- funniest pickup I had, though, was Blackjack Attack because the concepts were awesome and I loved the way he wrote. But once he started getting into the math breakdown, of, you know, the proof of like how he was coming up with mm-hmm. his math, my head was spinning and it was literally, I was looking at equations that looked like they had hieroglyphics around them. And <laughs> I was so on fire, blackjack, and my thirst was so insatiable that I would try to power through that stuff. You know, I would literally read the chat through, even though it was like I was reading a different language. I have no idea what I'm reading right now, but I'm reading it. Maybe someday it'll make sense. And it probably does now. Some of it does. Some of the con- <laughs> honestly, some of the concepts, you know, over my head, I lose the math. Well, um, as long as you you know you understand how to apply the math, that's really all that matters. Yeah, I apply it in the CBCX, right? Yeah, right, right, <laughs> exactly. And it spits out numbers, and you 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 follow the map. Right. Sam so says this. I do this. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, like early counting, uh, it was it was pretty funny because all I did was start with. 4K balls on a best spread. I was so <laughs> ready to be in a casino. I got balls of steel. But I decided to cut my teeth on a local Ajax, and it was a jungle because I would go prime time because I'm working. Right. Tables are full. Everybody's playing a side bet. Everybody's drunk. You know, yes. it's just a fiasco. It's what, maybe 50 hands an hour at the most? Right. But honestly, you know, those finer points weren't even on my radar. At that point, I just mm-hmm. wanted to sit down. I wanted to play perfect basic strategy. I wanted to hold a running count, convert to my true count, work on my desk, deck estimation, and feel comfortable doing it sitting in a casino with everything going on. And so it's probably maybe beneficial that it was a little slower at that point when you were just yeah, still absolutely. learning your craft. Uh-huh. Because it, it gives you that you know extra time to... Uh, be comfortable in where you're at and be sure that, you know, you're holding your now. Maybe an extra second to make a playing decision. So and that, it definitely and helps. That slow of a game in an eight deck game, you might have had two, three, four shoes before you could even ramp at all. Because eight decks are, are not always, but they're often slogs where it's just nothing, 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 nothing. Finally, you get a, a shoe where you can kind of move your bets. But right. And it was play all. It was, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't getting up. Because you were jockeying the position. It's sure. not like I was looking to the left and the right and I could see a shuffle. All you could see was just massive amounts of people everywhere. You know, and this, and as soon as someone got up from the seat, someone was right there to take it. So you right. were locked in. Target locked. 
Right. Even if you sat out a few hands, they probably were looking at you like, well, I want to play if you're not going to play. Right. And that's what I would do. I, I definitely would sit out and sit there and take a phone call. Exactly. I would do stuff like that just to mm. keep my, yeah. keep my real estate. Bathroom breaks, you know, yeah. when you're at the end of a shoe and you know it wasn't going to recover. Good time to walk away for a minute, but you can only do that so much. Right. Before. Yeah. You got to make it look natural. You can't just, I picked off a cattle one day that he had zero tolerance for anything negative. I swear, once it was just a running negative, he got off the table. He would sit behind the seat with a bottle of water and just laser eye the table until it came back. Wow. And then he would sit down and stop playing again. Captain Obvious. Yeah, it was hilarious. You know, so he's actually a buddy of mine now. <laughs> I had to let him in on it. You know, he was way out of pocket. Right. So where did you go from there with your game? So, like I said, I would practice the table. I was using Illustrious 18. I had my first walking experience where I was actually on my way out of the casino. Pretty much break even, maybe a small win. And I saw a shuffle on my way out the door, so I went over and I counted it down, and it got hot real fast. So I sat down and I started playing, and I won an absolute theater and won like nine hundred dollars in fifteen minutes. And at that time, that was an enormous. I was, you know, I was betting fifty one spot of fifteen, bought a hundred. My my risk of ruin was forty two percent. Wow. Yeah. And you're you're comfortable with that? Well, I mean, honestly, I didn't know it at the time. I actually ran it, you know, not too long ago just to have that point because. Yeah. I had no idea that I was, first of all, I heard a risk of ruin, but I didn't really have a, a good understanding of mm-hmm. risk of ruin. And right. so it was just one of those things that I kicked the can down the road. Like, I'll figure that out later. I'm just trying to hold a running counter. But it turns yeah. out that I was playing at a 42% risk of ruin. <laughs> I was $18 an hour, and my NGR was 314 hours. Wow. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you got lucky. Well, yeah, I played like that for about nine months. And uh, after two big losses, I pulled my bank. Well, yeah, as forty-two percent ROR would would uh, lead to. Well, I think you were right about me being lucky. I was lucky that I lasted nine months. Yeah, exactly. I remember my first big loss it was seven hundred dollars, and it was in my first thirty days of getting a blackjack apprenticeship mm-hmm. membership. And I tried to email customer service for well, membership services, and I wanted to cancel. <laughs> Get a refund. Yeah, I was like, listen, I'm not cut out for this. You know, things are going way too bad out here. And then I slept on it. And before he could even respond to me, I had already sent him another email again. Uh, Oh, no. Please disregard my last email. So I tried to cancel my Blackjack apprenticeship membership because of a $700 loss early on. Which now is like one hand. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's amazing the uh, how relative this money can be on a Well, it is progressive account. too, right? Like $700 was an enormous amount of money for me at that time for Louis playing uh-huh. Blackjack. But, you know, your tolerance and your appetite for wins and losses gets bigger. You know, it progressively, like, you know, you adjust psychologically along the way as you're ramping up. And every time you're taking the next step into the next betting level, it is a little rough. You know, I remember the first time I bet purple and it was nauseating. Yeah. You know? Just watching the purple chips go out into the betting spot, you know, it gave you that feeling, you know? Yeah. So, you, even if it was team money, it still gave you that feeling. Right. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I'll get into, um, you know, what we're, what I was betting, um, you know, well on the team. But I was betting purple as a solo, too. And, you know, it had my head growling, pumping. My head probably looked like a cherry, you know, like a tomato. <laughs> just uh, so much 
the blood flowing through my body at the time. Yeah. So. You probably look, look like a D-Gen. You were so, you're so worried about it. Right. You know, sometimes they're betting clearly money they can't afford to lose, and it's like they, they get shaky, and, you know, oh, like yeah. their whole, whole world's dependent on this one card that's coming out. It's going to make or break their hand. Yeah, I, I think it helps to, you know, act like they're tilting anytime you're pushing out big money. Yeah. You know, and that you're the luckiest guy alive if you actually win. Or I've I've done things like even if I'm going on a heater at one place, I'll say, yeah, I lost a. So it's a good thing because I I lost you know and say like a thousand or two thousand more than I'm ahead there at X place yesterday or something like that. Good thing I got my money back. I need to pay my rent or something like that. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm always yeah. talking about big losses in casino. Yeah, right. Anyway, so where were we? Yeah, so I blew up my first bankroll, and uh, so at that point it was it was it was a jumping off point for me. Did I really want to continue with this, or was I just gonna let it go and that was just something that I tried and crashed and burned. Uh, I scraped up another 5K. Uh, I had my balls intact, but I had no bets for it this time. <laughs> you know, I made right. it out with my balls, and I think they carried me into this next stage. But I knew that, like, I needed to find them. Right. You know, uh, I failed for respect, you know, risk management, and understand bankroll, all the technical next level stuff from just the you know the floor level basic fundamentals of counting and the mechanics of counting were things that I had kicked the can down the road and didn't fully understand. I didn't have software. I knew there was a risk of ruin, but I didn't know how it was going to pertain to me. I literally put up put together a best spread on a whim. Oh, that sounds good. I'll go up to 100, you know? Right. But every education has a cost. And I really do feel like blowing up that bankroll helped me to be the player I am today. Yeah, definitely. It, it, It forced me back into, you know, fill in the blanks, be shopper, and, and know what was possible. Our accounting isn't a money printer, you know, far from it. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I feel like that helped me develop as a player. It was and expensive. But, you know. Discipline. Exactly. Exactly. It would have been um, cheaper to go to a boot camp, though, right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, it would have. It would have, <laughs> but, but you know. I don't think you can put a price on experience. That's Think about the true. play you out of it. You know, I feel, mm-hmm. I feel this way about me. Like, it's a collection of my experiences that bring me to the table to be the player I am for that session. Right. So, you know, I feel like everybody should do their best to put together a winning game before they go out there with their hard-earned money and, and try to beat a casino. But Absolutely. I wouldn't I wouldn't give my experience up for anything. You know? Yeah, especially where you're at now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I decided to reach out to Colin because part of my beginner's membership package included some bankroll coaching. Mm-hmm. And I let him know what happened and, you know, through my bank, my 5k bankroll into his simulator and spit me back a bet spread and said good luck and, you know, gave me some warning stuff because, you know, he's really responsible when, you know, he's handling new players that are, you know, taking their money to the casino. So I came up with a new approach. I was going to head to a different casino. I was going to play a $10 game. I was going to completely change the time of day that I played. I was going to stop playing early in the morning to improve conditions. Before work? Uh, mostly on the weekends. Oh, okay. Because uh, it's a little bit of a drive to the place that I was going. Sure. But I would leave at 5 a.m. and be there by 6, you know, one or two people at a table. So the conditions were a huge improvement from, you know, my first go-around. Oh, yeah. Not crowded. Weekend nights. Right. And plus, it's probably easier on the family if you could get three hours in before they're up on right. the weekend. Yeah, that was important. I'd be home before noon, usually. Right. And then, you know, I could jump into family time. So probably. what else did I start doing? Instead of back counting, I was aggressively walking out. And then I started noticing becoming aware of, you know, the deal is about to shuffle. My head is on a swivel, like trying to 
you know, uh, always be looking for better conditions. Analyzing where I'm at, is this somewhere better than I need to be? Just exactly. be more aggressive with my game. Uh, you know, I started noticing which dealers gave the best pen. Mm-hmm. I started noticing which dealers like to talk a lot. You know, and I tried to stay away from them. Uh, Slowing which, the game down. Yeah. Exactly. They got too comfortable at the table. I just knew I wasn't achieving the, the rounds that I was, you know, shooting for. Uh, you know, I, I started noticing which dealers dealt faster and which dealers actually got off on dealing fast. Yeah. Because you know, there's some slingshots out there that absolutely think they're wowing you by just, you know, yeah. you as fast as they can. Funny thing is a lot of them, they kind of figure out what we're doing or at least guessing that we probably are an advantage player. Sometimes they'll speed up to try to bow us up and they think that they're agreeing us, but really it's good. My <laughs> running count runs a lot smoother when they go on as fast as they can. Yeah, more hands you know? per hour is good for us. <laughs> <laughs> but even like just the, the mechanics of counting, just the continuous cards yep. just flying at you, it's just a lot easier than the pausing or, you know, checking the chip rack. There's, they're just you, you guys aren't compatible. I just don't need the headache. Yeah, you know, kind of guilt and shame and to popping up money. So our our most uh, places in your market go for your own or are they um, pool tips? No, they're all pool, which makes it easier. If it's go for your own place, take it more personal most of the time. Yeah, because they're soliciting for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. That's going home. That's going home with them. Right. So I mean, if they pay you five, six thousand dollars in a few hours, and you give them nothing, they're going to be pissed. And next time you go in there, they're really going to be not nice to you. Yeah, I try not to stick around long enough on a table for them to even expect a tip from me. Honestly, mm-hmm. or you can say things like you know you lost twelve thousand dollars last weekend or something, and still digging out of a hole or something. Yeah, maybe then they'll at least understand. Yeah, lay the or, foundation for a soft store where they bring down their expectations and they know they're not getting anything from them. Yeah, right. So from when she started figuring stuff out more and, you know, your eyes were opening, then where did, where did it take off from there? Yeah, so I was keeping terrible records. And one of my first, so what I mean, what, by keeping terrible records, what I, what I mean is that the extent of my record keeping was my iPhone notepad, you know, and I was mm-hmm. just, oh, I walked into the casino at nine in the morning and I left at, well, I played such and such out it wasn't is, cheap. To, it wasn't cheap to see, mm-hmm. you know. So my hours were kind of overblown in the first three hundred hours of my record keeping. Yeah, especially if you're wanging a lot. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't charting my results. I didn't have a graph, which really helps you see. Yep. You know how you move in a lot. Mm-hmm. But my bankroll was growing, so I was winning. So I was happy about that. Now, one thing I should also say at this point in time, I wasn't networked with any other car. I didn't have any networking going on on the forums. I didn't have any friends that were interested in card counting. I have a lot of degenerate friends that like going to the casino, but I was the only guy interested in card counting. So it started to get on the lonely side, you know. I was and it was starting to get uh, it was starting to get a little stale at that point. I went on my first Vegas trip in 2017, and I discovered natural cover. Like I was saying before, I have a bunch of friends, and we're all in a bachelor party together. And I realized the power of natural cover and have me and what I'm doing thrown into the mix of a bunch of blocks that I'm associated with. Right. You know, my friends were big, that big sloppy stacks of grain and I could come in and out of the table as I wanted and I was just part of the party. Right. You know, I used that move 
many different times over the course of the year. I had like eight weddings one year, four of them I was in. So it was four bash parties out to Vegas, or three local casinos that I got to use my natural cover to get some really good EV. And even if it's you're at a casino and it's somebody else's bachelor party that you don't know, just kind of make friends with them and be part of the group. And right. just, it's still, it's not as, like you say, natural as there actually are your buddies and whatever. And it's obvious you guys are all there together, but you can still kind of blend amongst the plops. Right. Yeah. Blending amongst the plops is so powerful. You know, you can't hide your best friend at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance you're going to get tapped out, but you never want to let them see you coming. So the more you can blend into the wall and just look like plop central, you know, you're ahead of the game. Yeah, there's a uh, casino in the Seattle area that is the closest to the east side of Seattle, which is where all Microsoft and Amazon and companies like that are at. And so all the tech workers that make, you know, 400K a year, 500K, whatever, um, they they go there. And so perp- this playing just straight up purple, Ploppy's playing purple is very common there. So just find a table with a couple of guys playing purple and then you do your to at one spot to two spots of 250 or something like that or 300. And you're you're gonna just blend right in with those guys, right? Yeah, yeah you know, there's a lot of actions. Surveillance isn't just looking for APs. We've heard it before. It's, you know, AP is definitely part of their gig, but they have a lot of a lot of different bells and whistles that they gotta keep an eye on during the day. And watching other big action, just because it's big action, is you know something that. You need to watch for a deal on mispays when someone's oh, yeah. playing big. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times I like to play across a pit from the guy that is betting the most in the casino. Absolutely. That is a great call because they're paying attention to him. Right. Both they upstairs and on the floor. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's always a guy at the kiosk leaning on the kiosk just watching the game. And I feel like it's just watching to make sure the game goes smooth and that the dealer doesn't pay any errors and just to have a witness to the table to make sure that the money's going back Right. So yeah. So from there we went. And, yeah, and two th- so a couple of new casinos opened up in my market offering six deck. One of them offered six deck at a ten dollar minimum. It was a scan seventeen six deck as well. So this was a lot better than the eight deck hit seventeen that I was playing for a year and a half. So I had taken my game about as far as I could go and realized that I needed to know where I was at with my skills and I decided to attend a boot camp in 2019. I've been playing for about three years. My bankroll showed some growth, but it was, you know, I have a shot to the moon. And, uh, you know, I just needed to know whether there were any leaks in my game. Is it stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm not doing that I should be doing? I just, the boot camp just sounded like the next logical next step. And you probably, next step. And you probably found out that uh, the best part about the boot camp, camp is the networking you're going to get from it. Right. And that, that was going to be my next point was that I was still, I was playing solo, but I was still the only card counter that I knew. Mm-hmm. Things were getting stale for me. The emotions from the winds were wearing off and, you know, going to the casino by myself in the mornings to grind it out, getting old. I had experienced my first losing streak, which hourly wasn't very long. It was 14 hours, but I lost half my bank. Yeah. I had $15,000 bankroll and I think in three sessions, I had lost 50%. I resized and by 14 hours, I had, you know, made it back to a new all-time high and back to my previous betting level. Do you think if you had went on a prolonged like 160, 180, 200 hour drought between all-time highs or losing streak, do you think you would have hung up the, the gloves and put the fight down? At that point, yes. I don't think it would have taken me 175 hours to bust that bankroll. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that 
I had lost 50% of my bankroll in three sessions. Yeah. So I had, you know, a little under, you know, 8K and I was back red shipping. I don't think I would have survived $175 red shipping to 12 bucks an hour. Man, it is. It is demoralizing when you have something like that happen and you're doing so well, you're building your bankroll and then you're finally into green chipping and then not only do you get your ass kicked, you got to go back to grinding red chips and wonging out and, uh, man. So when I went to boot camp, it was everything that I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny that, you know, I was seeing all these names and faces that I had read, read about and watched YouTube videos. And, you know, we got right into the meat and the potatoes of card counting. Mm-hmm. And during the middle of the first day, I felt like I was pretty prepared. I was definitely aware of the topics that they were talking about and could contribute to the conversation. So I felt like I was in the right place and that, you know, the networking was definitely going to be a huge plus. It was the first time that I was in the same room with a bunch of guys and girls that were doing the same thing as I was. So, you know, it was, it was like coming into your own, you know, like you're finally founding your tribe, your people, but you can have a decent conversation about blackjack with it. Right. like, Hey, that's not illegal. Yeah. They understand. Oh. They, they got you. Are you going to quit when you're ahead? You're up money. Yeah. Right. You want to stop. You're just going to lose it all. Yeah. Like, um, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Shut up. I know you're trying to help. Stop. Stop. So, so, you know, come test out time, I decided that, you know, I wanted to sit down with Colin and have Colin test me out. And I had a great show with him. You know, I got really good feedback. You know, I left Vegas with the verification that I was looking for as far as the work that I had put in and that I was on the right track. And I was feeling good about the whole experience. Right. It, was, it really was. It was money well spent. And the next six months, I absolutely caught fire and couldn't lose. I started networking where I started messaging with nubs and I met up with nubs and we had coffee and, you know, we started talking on, you know, a, a more consistent basis, talking shop. Uh, I had a meetup like in the area and Waco Kid was there and he was much further ahead than I was at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was it was good to network with him and got involved with the Discord. I was playing at my local, playing a six deck, and a couple of other counters were telling me that there was a new a new guy that we had to watch out for. And, um, you know, to be aware that, you know, there's a new counter in the casino. You know, it was a Brazilian guy. And so I had picked him off, and he was standing behind my table. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, I'm playing, and the count absolutely takes off. So I stop betting, and I lose a round. He sits down. He goes, do you mind if I jump in? I go, don't you think it's a little funny to be jumping in right now? And give him, like, the wink, wink. You yeah, know? gotcha. And he was like, oh, no, I can... I just want to change the flow of the cards. You lost that hand. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit down. We're gonna, we're gonna win here. We're gonna do this together. He's had a plot he's talking. Yeah, he wasn't asking if he sit down. He was letting you know he was gonna sit down. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, respect. Okay. Right. And it was, you know, and it was in broken English. And, you know, he, uh, he sat down and we started playing and I got wrecked. I got absolutely wrecked for the rest of the round. And I look over and he's catching 20 black hats. 20 black hats. <laughs> Double down, 10. You know, like, he was just eating up all the positive variants on the table. And finally, the ace showed, and we both put out insurance at the same time. And finally, he looks over, and he realizes what's going on. 
<laughs> and finally realizes that we're on the same page. And, um, you know, we had started messaging each other after and we started talking, but, you know, he was, he was feeling like he stepped on my toes and I welcomed him to the club. Oh, I, I understand, man. And like, I got respect for what you're doing and, you know, good meeting you and we should probably stay off the same table. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and that was really it with, uh, you know, me meeting Gus. I mean, table bombs me and then took all the money off the table like I wrecked. Hey, does he joke around with you and threaten he's going to do that again? No. It, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a funny story when we're both here telling it. Uh-huh. Because you get his perception of the whole thing where he had no idea that I was a counter. And it's like, there was a big floppy in this room. I uh-huh. couldn't, I couldn't for a minute ever think that you were counting cards or that you were a knowledgeable player. You just looked like some regular dude playing blackjack. Which is good for your, your cover, right? It's good. Yeah, it was like it? a compliment to me. Yeah. Until he, he noticed you on the insurance and it's like, oh, wait a minute here. <laughs> yeah, and I gave him the wink, wink on the insurance too. And we both hit the best. Yeah. You know? There was, there was a guy the other night that was playing at my table and I could tell he was trying to count. I think he, he had the running count. I'm not exactly sure what it was off with him, but he, he, his bet spread was terrible. He noticed me buying insurance a few times when he wasn't going to. And then he's like, I was like, I want insurance. And like 10 seconds later, yeah, I want two. And then like every time I would do it or even money situations or whatever. And then he started like mimicking my bet. Really, His was a little different, but the intervals were about the same or close to it. Uh, so I think he, he was piggybacking and I was okay with it. Yeah. So, so yeah, he, you were his yeah. spotter. He was like, I'm just going to follow this guy. He's doing what I'm trying to do right now. You ever play defense with spots? Like if somebody sits beside you and you're playing two spots, but you're only going to play one for now. So you put the chip yes, on yes, the side yes, yes. to protect the open side so he doesn't get any weird ideas like he's going to open up on that. Yeah. And there was, there was a few during COVID or the peak of it when they had the plastic dividers at places. There was a few shops where center field was the only spot that could play two hands. So like getting that seat was like key. And it was cool though when you, if you got that spot because you had guaranteed two spots there. You couldn't, didn't have to protect anything. It was, they were your spots. It, it's amazing all the little angles we see. Right. You, you, t- you take the, you take in the landscape and the conditions, figure out what you pick at, make things better for you. No. Yeah, like the first time I saw a whole card game was like, now I can't not see them. Oh, when, when, not, that they're there, not that they're there all the time, but it's like I use the analogy of, you know, say you buy a green Ford Ranger, right? And then the day you buy it, it's like they're all over the road. You never noticed them that much before, but every other car, it seems like in your brain, you know, yeah, there's a lot more Ford Rangers than I thought there were. <laughs> Yeah. You know, just because once your brain notices it, it, it it's just there. Yeah. Once when, you find your first whole card, man, you'll start seeing them left and right. I'm out there looking. I really am. So Not left and right, but you you will notice them when you see them. Yeah. Once you um, see your first one, you start seeing you start seeing most of the ones available there. Yeah. At least that's my experience. I, I just, before I was like, man, I, I, I'm, I was like you, I, I'm like, I can't, everybody talks about them, but I can't ever find one. And then once you see one, it's like, oh man. Do you ever yeah. try to track a clump? Yeah. Say, like A sequencing? You know, yeah, not like A sequencing. Say like the first three quarters of a shoe, you know, which would be like a graph, is has a negative running count of, let's say, you know, minus 10. Mm-hmm. And you wait for the shuffle and see if you can follow it all the way through the shuffle. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yep. So I do stuff like that where, you know, I'm real heads up if there's a big pack of faces and aces. You know, and I've had some success getting them through the shoe and cutting them myself, but it's not manicured and I, I don't think it's measurable and it's really rusty. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that, you know, I have some, you know, mathematical advantage 
doing it. I, I can't say that with confidence, but there's been plenty of times that I fall out of slug, throw a shuffle, cut it myself, and come up with something more than my minimum bet. You know, I'll throw like a true two bet and see if it plays out. And I've had success doing that. Good cover was, too. Yeah, exactly. And there was a, there was actually one casino I found the guy plugging the discards right on top. Mm-hmm. So usually they'll, you know, they'll plug it in like three different places, but he was just popping off the, the stack and shuffling. So yeah, it's just always good to keep your eyes open for something that you can exploit. Remember yeah. Captain Obvious that I was talking about? Yeah. So Captain Obvious, he sends me a text like, hey, you want this table? You know, spray pen. So I sat and wandered my way over there and he's, you know, ready to leave and he's chipping up with the, with the DLR and the pit boss. And the pit boss looks at him and goes, can I have that 1500 in green in your pocket? <laughs> and he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, listen, bro, I know you have 1500 in green chips in your pocket. I need them. Can you please give them to me? Yeah. All of a sudden, he's just grabbing handfuls of green and putting them on the belt. Man. Different pockets, inside his jacket, his whole, you know, every box that he has full of green. Uh, the, see, you can't get too greedy because how the pit boss probably, he knew he was missing that much green. He, he knew that he was taking so much off the table that it had to be him. So <laughs> he basically, anything that was missing was put on your buddy there in Captain Obvious. Come on, man. Well, that's going to be the end of part one of this episode with Ghost. Part two should be out in the coming days. Thanks to Ghost for coming on, and I hope you all enjoyed, and we will see you down the felt. always left me satisfied and smiling so that's what she said (laughs) so if you're anything like me you do a lot of your online shopping well a lot of your shopping at all on amazon so if this is a case for you and you're looking to buy something anyway if you go to our website at tensandaces.com near the top of the page you will see an amazon banner ad if you click there prior to making a purchase on amazon it will open up your amazon app just like normal or if you're in a browser go to the amazon webpage just like it would normally if you were to type in amazon.com the only thing that's different is that because you click through our referral link the tens and aces podcast will get a small little commission on whatever you buy it doesn't cost you anything it's just a good way to support the show and show your love for TNA and, you know, help cover some of the cost that it costs to make this thing. So remember, if you're going to buy something on Amazon anyway, go to tensinaces.com, click the Amazon banner, and then you're good to go. And you're helping out something you like, like this podcast. And it's a win-win, win-win, win-win-win. Oh, and why I got you here, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Now, enjoy the show. Maybe I'll go down to the track, put it all on a horse. Why don't you put it in the bank? Bank? This is found money. I want to parlay it. I want to make a big score. Oh, you mean you want to lose it?
Sorry, man. Sucks. Don't leave in the middle of the street. Doesn't matter. But you left in the middle of the shoe. he wants me to, I don't care. Well, better luck, sir. Well, mathematically, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Each hand's an independent event. You look it up. That's just, that's just gambling fallacy. I mean, it could go either way. You, you don't know.
bad. Gotta be decent. Unreal. It's a dealer hand, huh? Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, it's enough. That's good. And then you think we're gonna get big ones. <laughs> Hopefully she does, man. I need some white. I'm glad you took all the little ones earlier. Let's see what we got here. On that one hand, I can't get over the top. I've been saying about even most of the day. Up 300, down a couple hundred, up 300. It's 
my place lets you play the whole table at table minimum if nobody else wants to play. Yeah, that was that was it. Alien A, I'm talking about. But. Yeah, the card rooms. They want as much action as they can get. It's not like this place, they pay taxes. So they got to make as much money as they can. They don't have a slot machine either. Yep. Terrible end of that too. 